Hello, and welcome to the Market Bull Podcast. Please note, topics and stocks discussed in this podcast are not financial or investment advice. On today's episode, I brought back one of the first guests I had on the show in Tony Licatro. Tony is a financial advisor from Alto Capital and specializes in small cap biotech and exploration companies. We began our chat by unpacking how the start of 2023 has played out in the markets and some of the factors that have been influencing price movements. We touched on some of the heavily impacted areas of the market and this led into the emerging opportunities forming. Tony gave his insight into the psychology of people that are participating in the current markets and the ways in which people can best prepare. I hope you enjoy listening. So welcome to the Market Bull podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kostrich, and I get to bring back one of our first guests on the show, uh, Tony Licatro from Alto Capital. Welcome back, Tony. Oh, great to be asked back, Ben. Yeah. So obviously, the first one uh, didn't go go too bad, but uh, always, this is, I liken this to having a chat at, at the pub minus the eye candy, if you know what I mean. Agreed. Yeah. It's sort of, I'm, I'm sort of relating it to a coffee conversation, or at least that's where I am because I just love coffees. But since we started or since we chatted early in January, there's been a, oh, how would you put your finger on it? An interesting sort of start to the year. So what would your be your initial take on how, well, the first two months of the year have really played out in regards to the markets? We started with an enthusiasm. Uh, 2022 was a shocker. So I was looking as though some of these stocks uh, will recover and it's just turned to shit again. So I'm going to note yesterday uh, as probably one of the most frustrating days I've had in the market. And I've got a saying, it's three letters, TMF, the markets, insert your own F word. That's, that's how bad it is. And The sad part is we're now seeing, I think, some of the best buying in these small caps where I can see multiples. It's like when you run into a market that weakens and you can see clearly what what are potentially the next line of big companies coming through and you can separate it from all the rubbish. So I'm talking to these companies. I'm doing more research than what I've ever done. And unfortunately, there's no confidence. There's no stock rotation. So all my clients need is one or two stocks to go. And we can hoe into these stocks because I can see five, 10, even bigger upside. But at the moment, we're stuck. And the selling, I think, late February just got, it's spiteful. It Mm. is absolutely spiteful. And I've had a few emails saying sell everything and these stocks already on their knees are being belted when there's no buyers. Heaven help the companies that need to raise money in this environment. It is just, it's like being sandpaper to death with Dave Hughes commentating. That's, that's how painful this market is. But I guess it's a case where I can ring up a client and say, look, the fundamentals of this company are fantastic but no one believes me. So it's just a really shit time to be me at the moment. And I wish I could do something else for a bit, but that's what we're faced with. And markets will do this. I've seen markets like this, 2015, 2016, 
would probably be the worst I've seen since this absolute debacle, Ben. So then when we're talking about the factors and, and everyone sort of leads that, you know, it's the US, they open or close, and then that impacts the Australian market and, and Asia and all these sorts of plays are, are happening. In, in regards, to, and it's not an easy question, where do you think the confidence comes back uh, into, into buying um, and, and just getting a bit of stability back into to people's confidence? It's a unique situation because we had US markets. They, fair enough, the S&P dropped 20% last year. Uh, the Dow's went a little bit steadier. But our market wasn't that far off a record high, yet the small cap stock, that was a, a two-speed market. So the major stocks were going well, you know, Commonwealth Bank back over a hundred bucks. But once the small cap stocks get in a bit of a rut, it's hard to reverse the downtrend. So selling begets selling, uh, shareholders get bored. They don't appreciate what they own. A lot of these stocks will break down technically. There's a lot of algorithmic trading on my stocks. I, I wish they'd piss off, to be honest. Yeah. But that's, that's what's happening. And it'll only take a big discovery or some M&A in that space for it to pick up. And I still see that we've got companies uh, that are picking up rare earth lithium projects in Canada, but it's getting a little bit tiring and it's like turning up at a party at 3am uh, with a fake meat pizza. That's it. That's it. And that, that ends every cycle. And I have to go back to the dot-com bubble and it was the same. So yeah, these stocks are getting a bit of a lift in their share price and the quality small cap stocks, you know, biotechs, explorers, companies with underlying resources are getting sold off because they're not the pretty girl at the bar. So this, this rates probably, I can't remember a time, I'd have to go back eight years where it's been this frustrating and yet it's some of the best buying opportunities again with hindsight. Mm. And I've got the saying, Ben, if you don't believe we're all going to be new to death, You'd be buying everything now, but the problem is you're stuck in the other stocks. So damned if you do, damned if you don't. But it's just, I think, a great lesson for shareholders in small cap stocks. And the major lesson that we're going to take out of last year was when you sell, you sell a four or five bagger, increase your portion sizes because there's just so much regret around at the moment. Yeah. And that's a, such an interesting point now about, you know, the, the mental state of people. And I always look at in times like this, this is when people are really clamoring to get any sort of, of leader or guidance or assistance. And, and I can imagine, yeah, in your position, you're being flooded with daily emails and sorts of what do I do? And, and it's really just, you know, headless chickens. And it is really hard to sort of, in a way, calm people down. And, and because at the end of the day, it's people's monies, it's livelihoods and, and everyone's everyone wants to see green and red is just such a, it's a tough thing to, to stomach. Uh, so when we're, we're thinking potentially about any sort of glimmer of hopes and, and I, I mean, I can sort of see that there are still parts of the market that are doing well. I mean, gold started really well and now there's been this pullback. I'm not sure if that's personally a bit of a technical selling point, or again, that's just the market squeeze and there's really a, about pressure everywhere, but where do we see some of the, the real opportunities starting to emerge or 
hopefully just, I guess, hiding in plain sight is the way that I'd say it. Cause there's always something that's performing well. It's just, it's easier to sort of see all the doom and gloom, but it's uh, again, hard to find that. Well, you, you look at, you can look at some of the emerging uh, gold explorers. Uh, you touched on it. Gold price is just over eight, eight, $1,800 an ounce. Uh, the Aussie dollar's fallen quite a bit. So we're still at 2700 Well, we still had that oh, attempted takeover, I guess, of Newcrest, uh, which has kind of failed. The rationale for that, behind that, obviously, is for copper as well. Uh, we, we are seeing some M&A in the, the mid-tiers, but... I think what we're seeing now is gold companies that are not being valued fairly on their in situ resources. There's no real interest in them at, at the moment. And what what will take to spark that sector is it, yeah, it's always a discovery or yeah, just a return of greed. We just need to see greed make a comeback. So I look at the gold sector, uh, the, the small cap biotech sector has been absolutely poleaxed. Had a bit of a recovery early this year, and that that situation has just gotten much worse. And I'm seeing shareholders, investors saying, "Well, how long to the clinical trial? I don't want to wait that long. I'm trying to time it. Why would I buy now when it's going to get cheaper shortly?" So I think immense opportunities in the biotech sector. Maybe some M and A, some big upfront pharma deals to come. I look at the the financial stocks. I think you'd want to you wouldn't want to be in the banking sector. I think you've got profits to be taken there. The discretionary retail sector, JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman uh, sold off. Uh, Domino's Pizza had a shocker, so they that got um, sliced as well. So look where to look. I still think it's going to be a stock pickers market. Uh, where is the real stupidity going to come? Uh, I mean, lithium might have another another little run. Rare earths, which obviously aren't so rare, but I'm sure there'll be a bullshit sector of the market that will grab everyone's attention. But Ben, it's a case of how long do we have to go through this poor market to see greed and fear, greed and stupidity return? So yeah, it's all it's all part of the cycle of. I've been advising on small caps coming up to 25 years now. I've seen these markets before. I, when I see a client's number come up in my phone, I can all, I can predict the question. I can understand that that everyone's feeling down at the moment because I don't blame them. And I, I just want to see one or two stocks start to run, and everything gets back to normal. But uh, it's it's just a nasty market, and I think. The whole economic situation in Australia at the moment, we're, we're rooted, we're absolutely mm. rooted. And there's, no, there's no, no relief in sight. Yeah, I think that's the, the one thing we were talking about before we started, the, the interest rates that keep hiking. And from the devil's advocate point of view, trying to tame inflation, it's almost like the only tool there. But then raising interest rates just has an insane amount of impact on everything else in the market. And it's sort of like, I wouldn't want to be, you know, uh, in, in charge of the RBA or even, you know, in, in the U S and the federal reserve and anything like that, because it's just, no matter what you do, you're going to stuff it up because so much money was printed during the pandemic. And 
I think everyone thought that that was, you know, everyone's getting a lottery. Everyone just kept getting cash hand over fist. And now really, you know, everyone's come home to roost and there's this sort of this tightening, this squeeze. And yeah, how do you sort of emotionally step back from it? And I sort of look at it like, you know, the, the less you look daily and the less you're sort of constantly opening your app and checking your your percents up and down, the easier it might be on your psychology. I know, you know, it's good to have a game plan and, and potentially written out on a, a piece of paper just so you can try and be as disciplined as you can. But yeah, if you're touching on people being really impatient, then it's really hard to stop that sort of cycle from happening until you really start seeing some positive movements. So what have you been sort of communicating to your sort of clients in regards to staying the course and not being swayed by some of the news or, or again, preparing yourself for potentially, you know, taking some cash off the table and just waiting for this perfect opportunity that's really, I have to say, inevitably coming, but it's just, you know, when do you catch the falling knife? I actually, I'm been writing emails since I've been advising and there's pretty much a template. So I'll sit down and the last in-depth email I sent, it, I headed it with a quote saying the stock market is the only market where things go on sale and the customers all leave the store. And that was a quote from Cullen Roach. And he's, he's exactly right. Uh, there's weak prices begets wheat prices the there's a just a fear that when a stock drops because someone's bored the assumption is that the seller knows something mm. so it's you just can't get out of that negative loop and if you start reading financial forums any little price movement is jumped upon so yeah for those with less experience i don't blame a lot of them for giving up because they've come into the market, they've, they've been a client and all they've seen is stocks fall. And I say to them, look, I can control the research. These are good companies. I can't control people's moods. And that, that's the hard part because we're looking at little companies that become much bigger ones. And I just wish, wish the sellers would give us a chance to, to attend to our wounded. That's the way I look at it. Just, yeah. It's a ceasefire so I can put some buying together. It's yeah. Just, the selling's relentless and it's spiteful. And I don't know what tips someone had at the bottom trying to create an all-time low, but it's just, it's not stopping and it's indiscriminate. And I can see 20, $30 million companies that have the potential to tend back even when I know there's going to be some dilution because a lot of these companies, the fundamentals are outstanding and I've just got to keep my clients in them, uh, even though they, they won't really believe what I'm saying. And it's, it really sucks. As I said, it sucks being me at the moment. Mm. Uh, but this is, the role is to, I teach a lot on the psychology of in this, being in the spec market. And I think, to some extent, you're born with it. And it happens at a young age. Uh, I was reading the Warren Buffett letter, which just came out. And an interesting read for those, uh, all the same principles. There's a few life lessons in there, but well worth, well worth the read. And he said that patience can be learned, but it, it's not easy to learn, Ben. Mm. 
Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned him because I always think back to that that famous iconic line from him about, you know, it's time in the market, not timing the market. And it's like that that summarizes the patience of you can't just sort of get out, get in, get out, get in and try and pick, as I said, the falling knife. You've got to have faith in the fundamentals, the company, what it's doing. And yes, it might get battered around a bit. And we all know there's market manipulation and that's from, you know, big, big companies that want certain agendas in certain company prices. But, you know, if you stay the course, you're disciplined about it. Yes, there's going to be some days where you're sort of, you know, questioning what you're doing. But that's why it's like, you know, myself, I have my piece of paper that I sort of have written out. And these are my sort of, yeah, the goals or the targets or, or my sort of methodology. And you just stick to it. Um, and yes, it changes over time. But otherwise, you just get caught in that. You look at the, the toilet paper saga, which I always look back at. It's just this, this constant, just, oh, what am I missing out on? I have to do it. And you just react instead of thinking and, and stopping and, and considering all the options at play. Um, but then with all this sort of, yeah, this, this hype and, and we're seeing, I mean, I follow the U S markets in particular, there was the Google announcement, for example, with the, the AI that they launched in sort of competition to chat GPT and it dropped 8% in a day. And I mean, for anyone really, they can see that. Okay, maybe Google hasn't quite nailed it, but an 8% overreaction doesn't quite justify that sort of price retracement. And that's where, again, what we're talking about this sort of, yeah, where are the buyers? We need the buyers to come back in. And yeah, it's, it, it is where, <laughs> where do we, where do we get them from? It's, um, it, yeah, it's a, it's an open-ended question now. Yeah. Well, the way I look at it is, uh, my 14-year-old son sits next to me in the car and he's just going for YouTube shorts, right? And I'm thinking, we have the TikTok generation. We have the affirmation generation where everyone wants to put a photo of themselves with filters and say, you're beautiful, right? We have a generation destroyed by porn and gambling. So everyone's after this dopamine. It's, it's destroyed. You know, this generation, I think, has has suffered from this social media affirmation TikTok rubbish. So how are we going to find people that can start buying an index fund early and stick the course when they're bombarded with all this advertising, bombarded with all this consumerism? So it's an interesting one because when I was growing up, we rode BMX bikes, got plenty of sun, and life was to be enjoyed. And what I've noticed, Ben, is if you don't sign up for social media, go out, uh, every, life's the same. Share prices are still going to move. Uh, people get tied up in politics. Well, nothing, apart from the rate of tax you pay and a few things, nothing ever changes. So the market has become more complex, uh, more of a casino, but... You know, to be like Buffett now is, is certainly very hard, but I try to instilling my kids, look, just make a bloody start. I'll buy yeah. the shares as a gift, but dollar cost average an index fund. Find an ETF that bases itself on the ASX 200 and just keep buying the bloody thing and that's your foundation and then just do the research. So it's, it's really tough. And if you look at all that other crypto or coin bullshit that people are addicted to as i've said in our last talk it's like having a sports better and it's it's gambling is a disease 
and there's you know in the end you don't win so i guess in a positive way i've got my client base are older more experienced that aren't coming through that TikTok rubbish and i think can hold on despite what we're seeing at the moment because it's it's as ugly as it gets to be honest mm. and i mean when we're thinking you know it's probably bit ambitious to say what we think is going to go forward in the next sort of six months. I mean, I'm, I'm always very bullish on uranium. I think it's a hard one at the moment. Um, again, with, with fluctuations, but if people are genuinely considering this renewable energy era that we're, we're sort of almost forcing our way into, um, and pretty much, you know, canceling coal in a way, um, what are some of the other sorts of areas that you think could be potentially, I guess, given a better shading of light because I just, yeah, personally I'm, I'm hooked on uranium um, and have been for a while, but where else can we see some potential positivity coming back into it? I'll just mention uranium. Uh, Brandon Munro, who runs Bannerman has just come out with another uh, bullish article. So that that's worth chasing up. So I, I caught up with Brandon and this was prior to Bannerman 10 bagging. Bannerman went from three cents to 30 cents and some other mm. uranium stocks really powered on. But the uranium price in comparison to 2005, 2006 did SFA. So the sector took off. There was the excitement about the Sprott uranium fund. And then that dissipated. So I've just been gently accumulating a Canadian-based focused explorer. Mm. Uh, a bit tight, so I won't mention it. Yeah, no, it's fine. But I think, you know, some of these sectors, it's a bit like waiting for Axel Rose to show up at a Gunners concert. They can come five, ten years later. I mean, there's supposed to be a uranium bubble in 1998. It took another seven years. There was supposed to be a Scandium bubble. Uh, there was a rare earth bubble 13 years ago. We've had another one. Mm. Uh, and I think one of the biggest myths at the moment is they're not going to be able to produce enough copper to fuel this EV revolution at all. And so it's just simply not going to happen. Yeah. So there was a talk I listened to. Obviously, when I'm at the gym, I speed these up to one and a half times to get through them. But if you know, you look at a smart country like Norway that has 80% EV, has a, a natural resources fund, they've done it right, but um, good luck to the rest of the world. So... Good luck mining copper that's down to under 1%, 4,000 metres above sea level. So this EV revolution, I don't think it's going to play out exactly how we think. Uh, the copper price is still going to be volatile. Can it get to five bucks a pound? Absolutely. I think we'll see M&A in the Australian copper sector. Uh, I'm, I'm prepared for that. I've got my little targets where we're looking at deposits that someone else will want, and that's Probably the best way to buy, Ben, is mm. buy a deposit or company that I know someone else will want. So, yeah, I'm always fearful of an early takeover. I just, I want these companies to grow. So, looking at the base metals, uh, I mean, zinc, zinc had a huge run. There's not, not many opportunities there for zinc. I see new centuries getting taken out by their major shareholder because they're probably pissed with how the company's going. Uh, yeah, I've got an interest in a boring old lead resource as well. So we're there, lead just tiptoes for the tulips, but eventually, you know, we need these base metals. So 
look, I'd rather play the company before the thematic because I think thematics are designed to get people excited, but they often don't eventuate. Yeah, because that's what I've been thinking to start this year in particular after having, again, a few conversations with a handful of guests about the particular mergers and acquisitions and, yeah, this looming EV, these targets that need to be acquired or hit. It, just the numbers don't add up. And and from a point of view that these big companies that are meant to be producing these thousands and hundreds of thousands of cars, uh, there's nowhere near enough mines or exploration. So it sort of, in a way, encourages me that, you know, there'll probably be these big companies that start going fishing in the smaller ponds and trying to soak up some of this, you know, the smaller explorers, which could be good for some. I mean, I usually like to think that if a big company's wanting you and you knock back a you knock back an offer, then usually they come back with something a bit better. Um, at least that's what I've sort of seen. But again, I'm relatively naive to the whole sort of experience of, of mergers and acquisitions and takeovers and all that. But that's where I can sort of see because, yeah, as we said, it's going to be very difficult for companies to raise capital. And all the big dogs that have got these huge reserves are just sort of really waiting on their time. But it goes back to that point before where if you've got these companies, you're being patient. Yeah, the price not be might not be there. But if some big company just goes, yep, we're going to take it and pay five times what its current share price is, you take that every day as an investor. But that, again, is very, very hard to, to pull off unless you know exactly, yeah, the deposits, the team, the structure, and you do your researches where, yeah, I can imagine as much as it's not fun for you, you'd be very busy with just, again, researching and, and answering clients and just constantly building up and waiting for the opportunities. So... Yeah, it's um, it, it it's it's yeah, it's a tough one to to sort of judge, and and I mean that's the the other thing that we haven't really touched on at the moment is the the interest rates and um the the fixed loans, which, oh, I mean, what is that going to do to the the Australian economy or just the global economy? Oh, we're rooted pretty much. Um, you know the the they flooded the market with you know point one percent money. Families were able to get into their home with 1.99% fixed loans for two years. 800,000 of them are coming off this year. Uh, where the hell is the extra 10 to 20 grand per annum after tax going to come from? Uh, you know, what, what are people going to do? Are they going to look for second jobs? Are they going to put their partner on OnlyFans, which is absolutely saturated now? Good luck with that. Mm. Well, they've been and become a reality TV star. It's this is painful. Um, I I don't know because we haven't really had hard economic times. A lot of the youth of today haven't seen a recession. They haven't seen what's going on with the economy. But I just think there's there's no worse stress than financial stress, and it's like a background headache because uh, in my early days, uh, yeah, I was on a placements wage and I used to do a lot of, I mean I was always under financial pressure and I just think that hard working families are going to struggle to try and hold on for the next couple of years but there's not much relief you know can you imagine mm. it's a 40 40 degree day no aircon all you can do is change your pillow around this this is going to be some real serious shit and I saw an article where 50 56% of the fixed loans in WA are coming off this year. I don't know where, I don't know how we can think 
people are going to get through this without financial stress, social stress. Uh, the best time to sell your second car was when there was a shortage. Mm. That, that opportunity has passed. Uh, selling your chest freezer called treadmill on Gumtree, th- those times are passed. I mean, it's this is this is serious, and a lot of families I don't think have the capacity to to look at how to raise money, how they're going to get money. Uh, the bank of mum and dad not biggest institution in the country. Um, so parents have been taking out security on their houses to fund their, their kids into this into this uh, Fugazi of a property rally, which was just simply fueled on cheap money. So yeah, oh, look, yeah. I yeah, it it's gonna start where uh, people don't wash their cars, they don't care about their gardens, they won't go to the dentist. They'll go from scotch fillet to three-star mids. Uh, maybe they'll cut out drinking. It's You're not going to go out and have meals all the time now. Yeah. Stretching your spending. We might learn to appreciate what we've got. Mm. You know, we, might, we won't. You know, these people at Kia are the best at advertising. I mean, they make you want a new car and they have a few, you know, people won't upgrade their car now. They'll, they'll drive it into the ground. But again... Healthcare and all those costs, people aren't going to spend it because they've got to hang on to this belief that we need to pay 40% of our income on, on the bloody house. So it it was a an amazing time to watch what cheap money could push the prices of property just out of kilter with the economy. And yeah. I'd made to look stupid. I, I lost a housing bet to an economist in Canberra. Uh, because I I expected this to pop a few years ago, not not had that COVID constant increase. Look what COVID did. I yeah, mean, that's the worst thing that could happen to people. Where we're drowning in debt, uh, wages aren't going anywhere, and interest rates have gone from 0.1 to 3.35, and they're talking over four now. Yeah, which means a seven percent mortgage, which is real estate Armageddon. So I mean that that's probably a separate market. So some some might have to start selling their shares, uh, but a lot of a lot of people in my space, it's with money they can afford to lose. So this yeah, it's, it doesn't get much uglier, Ben. And mm. I, I wish I could deliver good news, but no, I can't. I've been there. Uh, yeah, we all, go through, we all go through financial pressure, and it, it's. I don't know, something has to break. And then you've got, you're going to have divorces. You're going to have kids pulled out, yanked out of private schools. It's just been delayed. COVID delayed this. It sent prices to unrealistic levels. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that's, I don't know where there could be some really good news. Mm. I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, We know rates aren't coming down in a hurry. We know asset prices are falling. Um, how many how many out there can look at a quality junior explorer that makes a discovery or a biotech that's going to go thirty times? Not many. It, it is hard, but you know you just hope that people start taking appreciation for what they've got, their family time, and and I mean, yeah, I guess I'm in a fortunate position. I haven't sort of dived in and and, and bought a house or, or done something silly like I knew. Why well, I, I was just always a bit cautious, and I think a lot of people are looking for that just stabilization and at least 
you know, some guidance that things are going to be consistent. And I hope that, you know, partway through this year, at least, you know, even if the rates do go up, at least there's a pause or a halt or even the first pullback from it. I mean, again, it's very optimistic to think that, but as soon as there's any sort of positivity, like the light at the end of the tunnel, then suddenly that's where the buyers come back in. And I mean, I remember last time we spoke, you talked about how you'd started getting into the gym and just, you know, just doing some exercise, getting outside, getting some air, doing those things that just make you smile because otherwise it does beget all doom and gloom. And I understand that not everyone can, can be in that sort of position, but just do things for, for your mental health and your actual physical health to relieve some of these stresses. Cause otherwise it, it does, it just piles on. Um, at least that's my two cents. And I mean, I love my exercise. So. Yeah. Well, I guess you've got to look at, you can sit here and watch the market and it, it is depressing. I don't like, I have to stare at these numbers. I, I call it babysitting numbers. Uh, I might step away. Uh, sometimes to the fridge um, to look at the cheese, which I'm trying to stop eating because that's that gets every gone as, as you can appreciate. Yeah, but the the market at the moment it really sucks. It's hard. I am a part time psychologist. It's 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 not a good time, and you know there are going to be some stocks that are going to fly. There will be a major drill hole. There will be a neurology bubble where the companies around it will have a bit of a run. And despite how negative things are at the moment, there'll always be a list of stocks at the end of the year that have, that have outperformed. Done well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I do have a few clients that are actually excited by the weakness. They are mm. placing load ball bids uh, to pick up, pick up the selling. And those that are prepared to buy now, I'm not saying we're near the bottom. We could have mm. one more uh, capitulation, but those that are prepared to buy now will get 30, 40, 50% of uplift by buying. But the thing is now, uh, since we're in a bad market and it's a market where we're in a chronically low price environment where share prices, market caps do not match the potential. And then it's, this isn't the norm. Most of the mm. time we all have a good day. We're all a bit happy. We feel like spending. Uh, there's no fight to shout around or anything, but then we'll go into a market where prices are chronically high and everyone will think that's the norm. So at the moment we're probably not far off the bottom, but there might be a day or two where these stocks get totally thumped. Yeah. So the way I look at it is that we are going to go through these phases and this is where the long-term successful speculators that can go through these phases are going to survive and thrive as I like to call it. But it's just sad to see uh, some of my clients that are absolutely pissed with me. I can tell they're pissed. I can see yeah. it in my voices and they're saying, well, you know, I thought this was going to work and, and it hasn't. You either stick with it or you give up. I mean, it's, it's tough on everyone. So, yeah, I just wish this could be a more bullish conversation. Yeah, no, I completely understand. And I think that's where, yeah, I mean, I'm always like an internal optimist is that, yeah, everyone thinks it's always bad and then suddenly it's not. And then everyone forgets about the bad times. And uh, again, it's a sort of a naive position for me to say it. But as soon as there's that slight tweak, it might be a week or two weeks where positive money flows back in. Yeah, it, it could be, you know, incredible in regards to the potential next future. 
incredible bull market run. So I think it's, it's really a, yeah, zone in on your perspective, you know, follow your, follow your, your guidance from your, your experts and, and try and block out as much of this noise and don't make irrational decisions because of, of yeah, just what we're exposed to every day. So look, might not have been the most positive outlook, but I reckon when we next speak, I think it could be a bit better. Let's hope. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was going to say, thank you so much, Tony, for taking the time to chat with me and yeah, I'll probably be in touch with you soon. And yeah, we can look back and hopefully say that we were wrong, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Market Bull Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can follow the Market Bull on our socials at Twitter and LinkedIn by searching the Market Bull. You can also subscribe to our newsletter on the website by visiting www.themarketbull.com.au.